0: part four chapter thirteen of war and peace by leo tolstoy translated by nathan haskell dole this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne chapter thirteen shortly after twelfth night nikolai confessed to his mother his love for Sonya and announced his firm determination to make her his wife the countess who had long before that remarked what was going on between the two young people and who had been expecting this announcement listened in silence to his words and then coldly informed him that he might marry any one he pleased, but that neither she nor his father would countenance such a marriage. For the first time Nikolai felt conscious that his mother was offended with him, that, notwithstanding all her love for him, she would not yield to him in this matter. With icy coldness, and without looking at her son, she sent for her husband, and when he came, she tried, in Nikolai's presence, to tell him, in a few chilling words, of what her son proposed to do, but she had not the necessary self-control tears of vexation sprang to her eyes and she was compelled to leave the room the old count tried feebly to reason with nikolai and begged him to give up his intention nikolai replied that he could not go back on his word and the father sighing and evidently all upset in his mind hastily put an end to the conference and went to the countess in all his encounters with his son the count always had the consciousness of his own blameworthiness towards him in regard to the squandering of his fortune and accordingly he could not show his anger against his son for refusing to wed a rich wife and for choosing penniless sonya in all this affair he remembered with the keener sorrow that if only his estates had not been so ruined it would be impossible for nikolai to find a better wife and that the only persons responsible for the wasting of this estate were himself and his metenka and their incorrigible habits the father and mother had nothing more to say to nikolai in regard to this, but a few days later the countess summoned sonya and with a bitterness which no one in the world would have expected of her, she reproached her niece with having decoyed her son and accused her of the blackest ingratitude. Sonya in silence and with downcast eyes listened to the countess's bitter words and was at a loss to know what was required of her. She was ready for any sacrifice for all of them in return for their benefits the thought of self-sacrifice was ever a delight to her but in this affair she could not comprehend what she was required to sacrifice or for what purpose she could not help loving the countess and all the rostof family nor could she help loving nikolai or knowing that his happiness depended on her love for him she therefore stood silent and sad and had nothing to reply it seemed to nikolai that he could not longer endure this state of things and he went to his mother to have a final explanation Nikolai first besought his mother to be reconciled to him and Sonya and consent to their marriage. Then he threatened her that if they persecuted Sonya, he would instantly marry her clandestinely. The countess, with a coldness her son had never experienced before, replied that he was of age, that Prince Andrei was going to marry without his father's sanction, and that he might do the same, but that she would never receive this Intrigantka as her daughter. Angry at her use of the term Intrigantka, Nikolai raised his voice, and told his mother that he had never thought that she would oblige him to sacrifice his noblest feelings, and that if this were so, then he would never—but he did not finish uttering this rash vow, which, judging by the expression of his face, his mother awaited with horror, and which might have forever raised a cruel barrier between them. He did not utter it because Natasha, with a pale and solemn face, came into the room. She had been listening at the door nikolinka you do not know what you are saying hush hush i tell you hush she almost screamed so as to drown his words mamma darling there's no reason in this at all dushenka moya dear heart said she turning still paler and going to her mother who felt that she was on the very edge of an abyss and looked with horror at her son and yet by reason of her stubbornness and the impulse of the quarrel she would not and could not give in. Nikolinka, I beg of you, go away, go. And you, sweetheart mamma, listen, she entreated, turning again to her mother. Her words were incoherent, but they brought about the wished-for result. The countess, deeply flushed, buried her face in her daughter's bosom, and Nikolai got up and, clasping his head between his hands, rushed out of the room. Natasha acted the part of Peacemaker so well that Nikolai received a promise from his mother that Sonya should not be annoyed, and he himself swore that he would never do anything without the knowledge of his parents. With the firm intention of retiring from the service as soon as he could wind up his connection with his regiment and return and marry Sonya, Nikolai, melancholy and grave, still under strained relations with his parents but, as it seemed to him, passionately in love, rejoined his regiment early in January. After Nikolai's departure, it became sadder than ever in the house of the Rostovs. The countess, owing to her mental tribulations, was taken seriously ill. Sonya was depressed, both on account of her separation from Nikolai, and still more on account of the unfriendly manner in which the countess, in spite of herself, treated her. The count was more than ever occupied by the wretched state of his pecuniary affairs, which demanded of him the most heroic measures. It was absolutely necessary to dispose of their mansion in Moscow, and their Podmoskoviana estate, and in order to effectuate this sale it was essential to go to Moscow. But the state of the countess's health caused him to postpone his departure from day to day. Natasha, who had easily and even cheerfully borne the first weeks of separation from her lover, now every day grew more nervous and impatient. The thought that she was wasting the best time of her life, when she might so much better have been employing it in loving sacrifice for him, constantly tormented her. His letters generally merely served to annoy her. It revolted her to think that when her life was nothing but a constant thought about him, he was living in the great world of action, seeing new places and new people, who were full of interest to him. The more fascinating his letters were, the more they annoyed her. Her letters to him gave her no consolation. They were nothing but tedious and hypocritical exercises, she was not able to write freely, because she could not realize the possibility of correctly expressing in a letter even the thousandth part of what she was accustomed to express with her voice, her smile, and her glance. She wrote him perfunctory and monotonous letters, the stupidity of which she herself acknowledged, while her mother corrected in the rough draft the mistakes in spelling which she made. The countess's health was still feeble, but it was now no longer possible to put off the return to Moscow— it was necessary to arrange for the marriage settlement, it was necessary to sell the mansion, and moreover, Prince Andrei was now expected in Moscow, where his father, Prince Nikolai Andreyitch, was spending the winter. Indeed, Natasha was certain that he had arrived already. The countess remained in the country, but the count, taking Sonya and Natasha with him, went to Moscow toward the end of January. End of chapter 13. And this is the end of part 4 of volume 2.